Hey Star Wars fans, welcome to another episode of the Jedi Council podcast. Thank you very much for joining us for another hour, hour and a half-ish, uh, where we discuss everything and anything Star Wars. If this is the first time that you have found us, welcome. Uh, as I just said, we literally will talk about Star Wars for as long as we can, but generally speaking, we keep it to an hour, hour and a half, certain episodes permitting. If this is a return listen for you guys, thank you very much for your friendship. Thank you very much for your loyalty. Uh, we are hoping the doing our job because you're coming back that's the important thing but of course i'm your host alex how can i forget who i am um thank you very much for joining us but i'm not alone i am with two members of the jedi council uh team today first and foremost is my good buddy and my brother in the force dave say hello dave hello dave hello dave i have missed being on the recording because i missed it last time out so it's good to be back yes yes it's, it's gonna be a month so <clears throat> Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And the third member joining us today uh, is the First Lady of the Jedi Council podcast. Say hello, Mera. Hello, Mera. Hello, how are you? I'm well, I'm well. It's good to hear you. It's good to be back. And of course, we are missing two other members this week because uh, they cannot be with us. It's uh, Mr. Lego himself, Andy, and of course, Mr. Contrary, uh, Alistair Clark. Even though he doesn't like to be called Mr. Contrary, I heard him call it out on the last podcast that I missed. But hey-ho, we're going to carry on with that nickname until he starts collecting something. Because he doesn't collect. What a weirdo. He doesn't. He hasn't got a thing. No. He's got discs and that's it. I don't know. He, he has a thing. He's, he's the weird one. I think I think is that's that, a is that just a general a general yeah you know you know when when you see like um TV shows well when you have like a TV show right you have a bunch of people you normally have like the funny guy the strong guy the the, the good looking guy he's just the weird guy <laughs> so does that make him David Schwimmer stroke Joey. <laughs> no, so if we okay, if we're looking at friends. Joe, Joey's the handsome guy. I, yeah, I but he is. But he's also the very strange one. Yeah. He's also very stupid. <laughs> yeah, um, I think we're hitting the nail on the head a little bit here. Um, and, and obviously, we have Mary being the sole female uh, on on the team. So therefore, you have to be both, both or all of Phoebe, Monica, and Rachel all in one. Oh, <laughs> oh. love to be Phoebe. <laughs> <laughs> That makes you a screwed up woman. <laughs> Just a little screwbally. <laughs> so I'm assuming then, Dave, we're fighting over being Chandler. <laughs> Chandler's a bit strange as well, isn't it? <laughs> well, I, well, I've been liking to Chandler in the past because I'm incredibly sarcastic. Um, and I know she'll probably kill me for saying this, but my wife is very much like Monica. Um, so... That it's kind of been defaulted that I'm very much like Chandler. Um, so I'll, I'll take that for the team. Okay, um, okay. Well, on that, on that basis, I've got a degree in geography and geology. So then that makes you Ross. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> so what does that make Andy? Gunter. <laughs> <laughs> no, no offence, Mr. Lego. I didn't mean it. <laughs> They're not here to defend themselves. So they're fair game. If, well, if they're not here, that means we can set it in stone. Uh, there you go. Brilliant. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, listeners, as you can see, you have joined the Friends podcast. Um, could we be any more lame? Uh, <laughs> but I think um, let, let's kind of get back on track a little bit because we have got a jam-packed uh, agenda to talk about Star Wars. Actually, just thinking about it, I mean, there, there's a brilliant episode of Star Wars where um, Ross and Rachel are dating. And I think Rachel dresses as Princess Leia in the Gold Bikini. She does, yes. 
Yeah. I'm trying to fun. Yeah, he's a massive geek. Um, you know, that so that kind of makes sense. I'm sure there's no other Star Wars references as far as I can remember to, to uh no. in Friends. Uh and I've seen all ten series. But anyway. I think that's enough about me. Uh, <laughs> so yes, listeners, going back on track. Um, if this is your first listen, by the way, you will notice a, a, a common occurrence if you do come back that we do stray off topic quite frequently. Uh, and hence, we have done that just after maybe a minute or so uh, of starting this week's podcast. So that's, I'm not saying it's going to be a record. I'm sure we've done it in quicker time than that. But that's the most randomest deviation we've had from any conversations. Yeah, I think it's the furthest. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure we could get any further away from Star Wars as friends. Ooh, that's a challenge. Yeah, all right. Let's do that. We'll, we'll, we'll think. Of, oh, we could go Star Trek wise, but I'm not even going to bother. That's our least territory. Yeah, that's what I mean. See, Mr. Weirdo. That's what I'm talking about. So, mm. you know. Um, but yes. So, what has been going on in Star Wars over the past few weeks? So, the agenda we have for you today, guys, is is quite busy. Uh, this week it has been International Women's Day, so we're going to have a bit of a Star Wars focus. Uh, on that uh it's also been international book day uh, again for those of you following us on twitter um you would have seen a tweet that we put out about some of our books uh in fact dave and i put out a tweet for our top books that we that we like within the star wars universe both legends uh, and canon as it were gonna touch on that a little bit more um it is also dave has been doing the virtual virtual run uh, for star wars I've also been, well, I also said I was going to do it. I haven't done any yet, but there's still time uh, to get those miles under my belt. But we've also had some episode nine details that have been released. There's an interesting conversation that we're going to look to have around Mark Hamill uh, and his recent tweet about his reunion or lack thereof reunion um, with Harrison Ford uh, in, in episode seven or eight, as it were. And then if we have time, we're going to wrap up with the uh, extended news about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Um, As you guys will know, in the past two weeks, there has been an absolute plethora um, of Galaxy's Edge uh, information that's been released. And I'm going to try and summarize it as quickly as I can. Uh, So, again, be good of you guys to stick around for that. So jumping into this week, International Women's Day, Mera. You are, like I touched on earlier on, the sole female uh, on on the Jedi Council, much to our demise actually i think we should we need to get some more females uh into the team but international women's day mirror talk to us about your favorite females within the star wars universe oh gee there are there are a nice handful um of course we can't uh i've got to start with our lovely princess uh leia what a uh what a spitfire but what a um i don't know she's never waiting for anybody she just always struck me i'm pulling back uh some memories of of when i saw her in the theater in 77 where i just was amazed that here was a here was a a girl in a dress and she's you know firing uh a blaster (laughs) and she's not needing rescue as we've talked about before and and just was you didn't really see that kind of thing a lot and or especially in um i don't know i don't remember too many women or or princesses in sci-fi back then that were anything but like screaming mimi's wanting needing (laughs) to be saved do you 
Yeah, I think the the conception back then wasn't there were pretty much damsels in distress. Yeah. Um, who needed rescuing. They were not this headstrong, independent, you ain't going to mess around with me individual the way our, our wonderful Princess Leia was. Yeah. Yeah. The, so. the other one that jumps out is Barbarella. Yeah. Yeah. And she true. wasn't a princess. She, she was like a an agent, wasn't she, of the almost like a, a government agent. Yeah. Yeah. I think the only, I'm not going to say comparison to a certain extent, would be maybe Wonder Woman. She was probably the, I know that's the comics industry, so it's a little bit different and have always been quite strong female. Yeah, uh, I don't think, ca- yeah, but I, but, yeah, I don't think there was any TV, the TV show didn't come out until the 80s though, did it? Yeah, exactly. So Olympic this was obviously on, yeah, all on paper <clears throat> rather than actually on screen as it was. Mm. Yeah, so I I mean, of course you had Get Smart, I suppose, and then what, The Avengers and yeah. Emma Peel? Was that her name? Oh, yeah. 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 So, you know, I mean, we did have that, but there weren't very many. So she really stuck out for me. And of course, the second woman in the movie was, I always say this wrong, Mon Mothma. Yeah. Yeah. Mon Mothma. Yeah. Got a leader who is just, and of course, her her expanded story a little bit in Rebels, I thought was uh, very, she was very brave and very, I mean, to be in her position and be a part of this movement, um, really admired that about her. She appeared in the prequels as well. Yes, yeah. And, yeah. and in the Clone Wars. Um, was she in the Clone Wars? She did, because she, she was friends with Sem- Senator um, oh, Bail Organa. Yes, yes. Sorry, I embarrassed myself just then. Um, <laughs> I need to rewatch oh, the Clone Wars. Um, yeah, so those those are uh, two of my standout um, from the original for me. Um, but then there's so many. I mean, Sabine and uh, even little, little Ahsoka. I still have her little <laughs> in my mind. Um, and I don't know. I like uh, Jin Erso. I, I think she's, you know, the more recent tales, um, and of course Padme. But for for some reason, Jin just uh, sticks out a little bit more for me, just being this soul survivor and uh, yet finding a cause. And I don't know, all of these women just blended in together. I mean, none of them are weaklings or you know, damsels in distress. It's just like I'm, I got to make my own way, and it's and it's uh, I'm gonna do it, and I don't I don't need anybody. I really really admired that in Star Wars. It's yeah, it's always done that. That's what I think. I I've loved about that. It's not. It's treated women fairly equally. Mm-hmm. I think numbers wise, you could probably argue that that there should be more. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't dispute that, but. They've not shied away from having women shown on an equal footing. No. <clears throat> and then, of course, in Rebels, you had the... Um, oh, I hate that when you're... The first thing to go is your memory. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the bad girl yeah. there. The Empire. Not the Empire. Yeah, the Empire. Uh, with Thrawn. In Rebels. Do you remember her name? Oh. Yes. Uh, you know, yeah, she's also in the book. <laughs> she is. Yeah, she's an officer. I mean, she's yeah. not 
you know, somebody in the shadows. So, yeah, no, I mean, I'd love to see some the more. Governor. Yeah. Lothal's governor, yes. Yeah, I can't remember her name neither. Oh. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> We're on the same page. <laughs> but, yeah, I like that. You've got Phasma as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, of course, Ray. Yes. And Ray, yeah. It's funny yeah. how, if you think in recent weeks, there's been a lot of hoo-ha, dare we say, it, about social justice warriors, and I'm using air quote for you uh -huh. listeners, guys, um, and how Disney are changing the way Star Wars is by having the female agenda and all this absolute nonsense. Yeah. Yet we have just highlighted a, a whole bunch of women who have been leading roles within this movie, within this story, within every single film that we've seen and six series of Clone Wars, five series of Rebels, you know, we've seen these leading women. So why is it now a problem for certain fans that mm. they're, they're predates, pushing? Yeah, It predates Disney as well. It predates it Kathleen yeah. Kennedy being being at the helm because a lot of people yeah. take, take umbrage at her in that role. Mm. And I would say on, on the whole, I might, everyone knows where, my, where I think the blip might be, but on the whole, they've yeah. produced 99% of a, a solid, well-done track record. Yeah. I mean, we all know our respective views on The Last Jedi, um, and we, we're not going to go down that path, but when you look at the characters that are in that, you have Rey, you've still got mm. Princess Leia, you've mm. got Rose, whether or not you like her, she is a strong-minded woman. And then you've also got Holdo. Now, again, we have issues with certain scenarios, but the fact that she is a general who is second in command to Leia, she then assumes command, just shows that they aren't afraid to put the right people, as it were, in those positions, regardless if they're male, female, and alien with four arms. You know. And, and Laura Dern is a great actress, to be fair. She really is, yeah. 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 And, and I think that it's... <laughs> It's good that we have seen that continue in the new trilogy. But I still, I still don't understand why that's caused so much distress <laughs> to no. a lot of fans. Um, and I think that they just, it's going to sound really horrible, they need to get over it. Um, Star Wars has always had strong women, and yeah. that is never going to change. Well, and strong women, with, strong women with power. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. Well, Princess like, Leia was yeah. an important person, Mon Mothma was an important person. Yeah. We're not just talking strong women who have no power. We're right. talking strong women with control, with direction. Leaders. People, yeah. Leaders, yes. People who are taking the rebellion. Yeah. You even and, have the baddies like Ventress in, in the Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. Or you've oh, got Ventress other... Um, yeah. Mm. Yeah. You know, the Seven Sisters in Rebels. Mm. I mean, it's just... Uh, yeah. Lots of stuff. And they're powerful. Yeah, Absolutely. Oh, Vent Ventress, I must admit. Yeah. Her story is so cleverly done. Mm -hmm. The way she, she is, she is evil, but then she is also, you realise that her character is just flawed and mm. she could quite easily have gone to the light as, as well as she went to the dark, really. She, she was on the edge of the blade when she tipped. Mm-hmm. Quite literally, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it is interesting that when you think about it, that most of the leading women are also 
Davros are on the good side. Yet, if we think of the original trilogy, I can't think of any women in the Empire apart from when it got expanded in the movies. No. But in a way, again, isn't this like George Lucas with the way that he Mm. was trying to position the Empire almost as a a caricature of the Nazi Empire, Nazi Um, movement? Yeah, most of them are British, but let's not worry about that. They were. They were. That's, because, <laughs> that's because British actors are very good at doing evil. Very good at being bad guys. Yeah, it's it's yeah. quite a stereotype that we live up to quite well. The British, <laughs> the British man is always a good bad guy. He is. He is. Yeah. Die hard. Just yeah. Even when he yeah. plays a German. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, yeah, but but I think that that was like his the way that George Lucas had it. He'd almost. To be fair, when you look at what the evil stood for, it tended to be, which is which is actually something that maybe these people who take umbrage at the social justice warrior movement, as they term it, need to have a, have a think about. Are they siding with an empire which was predominantly white? How many non-white actors were in the control room of the Death Star? None. How many women? It was how many younger men? Mm. It tended to be white, middle-aged man. Mm-hmm. So that was the evil empire. That was that was what the young, the mixture of both um, um, male and female, and mixture of white and non-white heroes were trying to overthrow. And aliens as well. There were no yes, aliens really in the empire. Yeah, yeah. They weren't. They weren't. I mean, that was that was picked picked upon even within the mm. the expanded universe. Both uh, the the current expand like current um, canon, canon, which has now yeah. become canon, and and the previous expanded universe. Thrawn was the only only non human officer. Yeah. That to, yeah. to get to a high rank. And that was that was portrayed in the expanded universe, and it was portrayed now within the the canon of the the, the universe. And that, that was because Palpatine himself was was racist about humans. Mm-hmm. And we've deviated away from International Women's Day again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, no, but it's true because obviously the second part of our kind of uh, news, as it were, this week is obviously. World Book Day, um, International Book Day. And we'll come to that in a minute. But I suppose just to kind of put a nice bow on the whole International Women's Day thing. And um, one thing that I was thinking of prior to the show and talking about International Women's Day is that now, obviously there are now than than there previously were, but let's not negate the fact that there have been this leadership, to your point, Dave, uh, the strong individual female. Um, And I'm I'm actually going to go a bit rogue and say that Ahsoka... I think it's Ahsoka is probably my favourite female character in the whole of Star Wars. Um, I obviously loved Princess Leia uh, as an introduction. Padme was her daughter's mother. You know, you can see the similarities in their kind of leadership, the way that they are. I know that's obviously going to be echoed in the way the movies are made and the way I've mentioned this before, the way Star Wars is this circular reference, as it were. But I don't know, there's something about Ahsoka that just... She kind of like amazes me to a certain extent. Um, her journey through the Clone Wars from being this young Padawan 
to her expulsion to the Jedi Council, uh, to sorry, to the Jedi Order, um, and then obviously her decision to walk away once they realised they made a massive boo-boo. Yeah. And then obviously we see her reintroduction into Rebels um, and her character in that and the ways that her ultimate scene in fighting Vader. I love that fight scene. Um, yeah. And the way that she is with Anakin and Vader in that same scene, because obviously she wounds his face. There's a, there's a cut on his left eye. You expose the face of, of, of Vader and you can see Anakin Skywalker underneath that. So she knows she gets it. And I don't know, there's just something about her for me stands out. And then the book that was written uh, just really does add on to that as well. Um, I, yeah, she's my favourite. I'm going to stop waxing and recall about how great Ahsoka is now. <laughs> no, she is. She really is. She's had a good act. Mm. So would, would Leia be your your favourite character? I know obviously we know R2 is your favourite character in Star Wars Mirror, but would you say that Leia is your favourite female character? I would have to say yes. Yes. And I mean, I love a lot of them, and it, but for me, yeah, yeah, she's going to be my favorite female character. I, I wanted to be, she gave me, not to be cliche, but she gave me hope. It was a very difficult time when I saw Star Wars, even though I was young. Um, it just stood out that I could be somebody, I could be somebody important, and she made me realized I didn't have to change who I was, but I could be who I was. Yeah, it was definitely life-changing. So, yes, she will always be my my number one. Although some others have come close, but, yeah. <laughs> Dave? Well, we did our top three characters last week yeah. um, when, when you weren't there, Alex. Mm. And I said that my number three was Darth Maul. But that he he was a very close behind him was Ahsoka. Yeah. Um, so my, my top three were Luke, with Captain Rex, and then Darth Maul. But with, with Ahsoka stood on his shoulders, she was that close. Um, and for me, the, the Clone Wars has never been about um, Anakin's story. For me, it's always been Ahsoka's story. We, we saw her come into it as snips, as this mm. um, gobby teenager. Mm. And she leaves it as a dignified young lady. The thing that I'm looking forward to is we know the next season of Clone Wars is coming. And we have seen the trailer. We've seen the way the trailer ends with the hollow projection of Ahsoka. Mm. I'm, and we also know, obviously, where she ends up in Rebels. So there's a gap. Mm. We have no idea where she is. Apart, well, we know it's in the book, obviously, but there's this gap. Where does the book tie in to Clone Wars, and how exactly is she going to be positioned in that Clone Wars season? And I'm really looking forward to that. Well, I'm looking forward to what happens because we've seen the end of Rebels, where she comes to collect um, Sabine Wren mm -hmm. to go look for Ezra. And then Dave Filoni did that sketch recently that he, he pushed out as a as a teaser, saying this is, mm. this hasn't actually got to do with anything. I've just decided to do it on the, the year anniversary of the ending of the the Rebels, um, and it, it showed Ahsoka and Sabine 
yeah. traveling through what looked like a, a snowstorm. It looks so good. It does. <laughs> it does. Um, I want so more. <laughs> looking forward to what happens to her after that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Is she going to pop up in live action or is she going to remain animation? I don't know. Could they find an actual actress to portray that character? Mm. Would 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 a, a a live action actress ever live up to what we expect from the animation? Well, there's always been these rumors is the wrong word, but Ashley Eckstein, who obviously is the voice of Ahsoka, mm. and kind of personifies her personality through her voice. You know, there's always been. Oh, if, if if we do do a live action Ahsoka, it has to be Ashley Eckstein, which which is a fair enough justification. But from a physical point of view, I don't know if she's similar enough. But the no. way that I I kind of think about it is when you look at how Darth Maul is brought back in the end of Solo, it's Ray Park mm. physically, uh-huh. but it's Sam Witwer who did his voice in um, Rebels doing the voice so my kind of thought would be it's very much similar to that we have a person who has obviously the the makeup and the the, the whatnot to play her but then of course we just have Ashley Eckstein doing the voiceover I don't know how easy that would be it's it's one thing to do because obviously they did that first with James L. Jones with Vader which is master isn't it yeah it's very easy to do when you don't have a lip sync Mm. and then it's easy enough to do for a, a, a three or four second clip. Yeah, true. You've, you've got Maul at the end of a hologram where it's slightly scratchy anyway. It's a, a very different thing to do a live action voiceover for the entirety of a TV series. And it, when you think about it as well, Ray Park didn't do the voice of Darth Maul in The Phantom Menace. Right. No. <clears throat> but he barely spoke anyway. Right. Yes. So you get away with it. Mm, yeah. No. Fair point. Oh. Well, get training, Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, I, yeah. I don't. I don't know physically where she. No offense to to Ashley, but she isn't. She doesn't fall into the category of the athletic yeah. um, warrior woman. Let's say. I would say that that for me would be her biggest challenge to to fall into that category. She's not very tall, neither is she. No, I don't think that so. said, that said, two two Gruders have got the massive head horns, so maybe that would have mm. height. Yeah, her like le- leku. They're not leku. I don't think they're called leku for her species, but they're, no. they're leku like, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, the horns go up and the the, the mm. tails come down. Hmm. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. If physically, she's she's the right body shape for that. And I, I'm not trying to body shame her there. I'm not saying anything. But um, Ahsoka has a particular body shape. And again, it would depend on what period of time she's played in. You know, when in, let's let's look at it bluntly. In the Clone Wars, she's very much a adolescent teenager, mm. and then obviously in Rebels, she's a woman. Probably. So, again, we'll, yeah, well, yeah. And do, I can't remember the name of a species, actually. It's really bugging me, and I might have to Google that in a minute. But, um, you know, do they age the same as, as, as humans, etc.? 
to Gruta. Oh, that's it. Yeah. So do they age the same as humans? Who knows? But... Don't know. And that anyway. is a good way to kind of wrap up International Women's Day, as we've all obviously Leia is is Mera's favourite female character from Star Wars. Ahsoka is mine, and seemingly yours as well, Dave. So, yep. Leading that into the next item uh, of International Book Day. So, for those of you guys that follow us on Twitter, will know that we put out a tweet. Um, Dave, first and foremost, sent up, put together a picture of all of the books that he has uh, in his collection. Um, I was not, at work, so I didn't. All. No, some. Yes, probably. How many? About... How many? How many would you say are missing from your collection in that picture? Because there's quite a few in the picture, right? Oh God, no, no. Um, there's probably about twenty, twenty-five in that picture. There's got to be over a hundred in my collection. Mm. Yeah, I, I need to. That is one area that my collection I don't have a decent list of and I need to do that and what's put me off is the fact that I'd want to record the ISBN number for every one of them and I think that's that's a daunting task <laughs> yes you, you you need to design an app where you can just scan the barcode or something and it does it for you yeah yeah I think that might be an easy um, way of doing it that's, that's what you need um, but but where I was going with that was obviously we then had a side discussion around some of our favourite books, because I think out of the council, me and you are pretty much the the collectors when it comes to books. Mera, how many have you read? Many of the either expanded universe or current canons books at all? We have only read the original trilogy, probably the screenplays, and then um, Princess Leia by um, mm. yeah. So I'm I'm working on it. I've got like. The, the Thrawn books and to, to actually read, but no, I have not read more than that. So I can't even compare, but um, yeah, it, at mm. least the original trilogy under my belt. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <a fun> <laughs> I, I put, you're, you're probably ahead of Ali and Andy on that. <clears throat> I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Forward to read. And... Well, that's probably because Mira can read. You know, we know Andy's from Birmingham, so maybe not. Uh, <laughs> I didn't want to go there. I didn't I'm only joking. I'm only joking. I don't mean Love that. you, Andy. Um, yeah, that, that wasn't an insult to people at Birmingham. That was just it, a it joke between. It probably doesn't help Andy that when he walks around, he's dragging his knuckles on the ground. <laughs> you, you, took, you took it a whole new level there, Dave. <laughs> um, getting it back on track to Twitter. We actually sent the picture out. We then had a side conversation around um our favorite books uh and obviously we then put out a follow-up twitter uh with a poll um where i think we came to the conclusion didn't we dave that our top three collectively between us is mm. the original thrawn trilogy which is now yeah. obviously legends the new thrawn book uh that was released yeah. a couple of years ago uh and then the third book was order 66 the karen travis novel um mm. that we are both huge fans of the results of that tweet have been finalised, obviously, uh, and the winner, to no surprise in my mind, uh, is the Thrawn trilogy uh, that's now Legends. That got a whopping 60% of the votes uh, on our Twitter poll, with the Thrawn and Order 66 books equally coming in behind on 20% each. I'm not surprised by that, uh, to be honest with you. Um, I'm surprised been... that the new Thrawn equaled the Karen Travis one. 
the new Thrawn one is, I suppose, where it's new, it's not had as much leg space to kind of breathe and to be consumed. Um, a lot of people have might have only seen Thrawn as their first introduction to the character in Rebels, potentially. Mm. Um, and then it's obviously down to them if they then want to expand their knowledge of, of who that particular character is. But I think Thrawn for for the fans was and was needed in the real in the real canon, if you want to call it that. And Dave, if you remember when we was in celebration um, in London back in 2015, oh, yeah. <coughs> we was at the Clone Wars panel, um, and it was it was two hours long. And the reason why it was two hours long is because they they did a whole set of reveals, um, and then we saw the first two episodes of that season, and why they got such a big floor space and quite a big um, kind of whoop de do at the end of it was. Thrawn was announced to be coming back into Rebels. Um, they showed a clip of how he was going to look, and he got nailed on perfectly uh, in that respect. Um, so I think Thrawn has always been this this character that is really well loved amongst the kind of old school original original. That's the wrong word. The yes. Yeah, older older Star Wars fans that have kind of grown up with the books. When let's be honest, yeah. the Thrawn trilogy came out in a period when. The, the prequels weren't even around, let's be honest. Um, but it was so the first all, of the novels, wasn't it? It, it? it introduced the fact that you could write good stories about Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, when you think the first book, per se, was obviously Splinters of the Mind's Eye. Well, um, well, well okay, this first expanded one, yes. Yes, yeah. it was. So that was the first non-movie book, if you want to go mm. that literal, which then yeah. obviously was set after A New Hope and before Empire Strikes Back, which then got completely kicked out, <laughs> kicked out of the window from a canon perspective the moment Empire Strikes Back came into yes. existence because it completely retconned a lot of the stuff that happened in Splinter of the Mind's Eye. But the Thrawn trilogy was the first movie, the first book that was appreciated collectively, globally by the Star Wars fan base. And mm. It still is loved to this day, clearly by the results of that poll and the fact that me and you think it's one of the best books ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the Karen Travis one. To be fair, the Karen Travis novels are fantastic. I love all of them. I borrowed yeah. yours originally before I got my own copies. Yeah. Um, so that introduced me to them, but because the characters in them were not the, they weren't established characters. Correct. If that makes sense, they were it clones. Let's be honest, they were it, it was. It was yeah. It was the story of the clones, really. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so in a way, that's. I think that's what surprises me: the fact that that ended up as equal pegging to the new Thrawn novel, in that the story isn't about a main character, someone who's known outside. It's like the. It's it's not like an Obi Wan novel. It's not a Qui Gon Jinn. It's not a Darth Vader. It's it's not a known character. It's about the collection of clone troopers. It's interesting because when you think about it, there, there's there's I've obviously read the Kenobi novel as well. I've read the um, Tarkin novel. Mm. You know, there's there's. I did like the uh, Tarkin one. Too. It it's funny because we we have these books about these existing characters that you would expect to be embraced, celebrated, but some of them aren't. I mean, the Kenobi book is good. The Tarkin book is okay. But you then have a book about the clone troopers that really nobody, not that nobody cares about them, but in the eyes of, let's, let's be brutally honest, in the eyes of both the Republic and the Empire, as it were, clone troopers are dispensable. Yeah. The numbers. And therefore, yeah, 
you know, but what, what the series of books from the first book, which was triple uh, zero, I think it was, or the Knowles or something like that. They are the first batch of troopers of clones that are created, but they're not perfect. They have these imperfections that are deemed not needed, which is why they then get kind of sidelined for want of a better word. But the best part about it, though, is because they do have these imperfections and they do have, dare I say it, personalities, it makes the reading of the book so much better. You know, yeah. these aren't a bunch of clones that are exactly the same, minus different haircuts and different tattoos the way we see it in the Clone Wars cartoon. These are the first batch of those. They're people, yeah, yeah. It's a great way to describe it, actually. And I think that's why it resonates because you have these these personalities that you don't really think exist because you just think that they're clones. Yeah, yeah. when we read through those books, Order sixty six, the book prior to that, five hundred first, the one prior to that, I think was triple zero. You get this relationship between this bunch of people that are even cast as out, outcasts within their own clone army. You know, mm. one thing that stands out within the Clone Wars is the, the camaraderie, the brotherhood between these clones. Yet this doesn't exist with these ones in the book. Now we now so they, know that the they books form their own family. Yeah, yeah, but they are effectively <clears throat> equally as good. Uh, but as we now know, the, the books are legends, and therefore they didn't they didn't count. Especially as soon as the Clone Wars came out, they kind of got disregarded very quickly. Mm. Much yes. to the much to the pity, because Karen Travis writes a great novel. She does, and and I remember when the decision was made that she would no longer be writing Star Wars and how it kind of affected a lot of the fans. You know, she, she really built up the relationship with the Mandalorians in these books to the point where the books had a dictionary of, sorry, a translation of how to speak Mando. Mm. That's the level of detail she took these books to. And I think that's what warmed her to the fans because she really embraced the Star Wars culture by going ahead and doing that. Well, Strangely, she she's wrote stories outside of Star Wars and like and, and yeah. other popular cultural groupings. And I've attempted to read her Halo novels, yes. and I've just not got into them in the same way. I've I've not enjoyed them as much as the Star Wars novels. And I don't know if they I don't know if the Halo ones were done beforehand. I don't know if the the Star Wars ones were the were a first one or if whether she evolved as a writer. I don't know. I just I found that the the Halo novels were more clinical. Yeah, she uh, she wrote them pretty much at the same time that she was writing the Star Wars ones. Um, but do you think that could be because you're more familiar with the Star Wars universe than the Halo? Well, I don't know. I quite. I, I know you've played the computer game. Yeah. I know you used to play it, but. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, because I've always been like an Xbox person. So, yeah, so the Halo games have always been something that I've done in the past. I, I guess not currently, but um, I don't know. I just, and I enjoy like the, there's there's a few Halo animations, like Forward Unto Dawn and things like that. And I've enjoyed all of those, but I don't know, the the novels for me... They didn't resonate in the same way as the Star Wars one did. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe she, that was, like you said, maybe because Star Wars is is what it is to me. Maybe I warm to those more. I don't know. Not that I'm saying that the novels weren't good. They just weren't. <laughs> good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can appreciate that. Um, 
and yeah, I, I've not actually read any any of her other books, to be fair. Um, but her Star Wars books for me are an excellent read. So if mm. you guys want to get some really good kind of legends books, highly recommend the Karen Travis books uh, that she wrote about the the Commando Republic Commando Troopers, um, including Order sixty six, which is great because it obviously leads directly into and and around Revenge of the Sith. So it's a great tie-in novel because um, you kind of see their reaction to Order 66 being invoked and things like that, which is quite unique. Yes. Yes, because you see it from the clone's perspective. Yeah. And this is obviously... And from, from the wider society perspective, which I really enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, the way she, she built the world, let's be honest, um, mm. uh, around the commando troopers and, and obviously how the Mandalorians were their trainers... We all know yes. that Django Fett was obviously their, their, their father, if you want to call him that. Um, but effectively how the Mandalorians were their trainers and, effect- and made them the, the fighting machines that they were. Mm. And I think that's a, a pretty good way to kind of wrap up our book day conversation, unless there's anything in particular you want to quickly address around International Book Day. Um just that Star Wars, it's not just about the novels with Star Wars. You, you've got books for every taste. You've got the graphic novels, So, which from my son's high school, I was chatting to his librarian, and one thing that she said, I, I donated a, a bunch of graphic novels to the school recently, but one thing that she said was that they they crave things like graphic novels because graphic novels are a great way of introducing boys to literature. Um, the, the for some reason girls tend to take to literature better than boys, and graphic novels are a great way of getting boys into it. So I th- I think the the graphic novels that Star Wars do and have done over the years, both with Dark Horse and now with with Marvel again. They're just superb. They're great stories, well drawn, um, brilliant stories, and they tie into the wider, wider uh, movies, which is great. But you've you've then also got you've got younger reads, you, which the Star Wars has always done prior to Disney. Um, I had easy, like young reads bo- books when I was a little kid that were Star Wars ones, um, and then <laughs> you, you can't forget the influence of, of Dolan Kinsley. And, and the DK books. So you've got books for all tastes. You've got the, the factual, the, the, the graphical, the proper novels. There's, there's no reason why not to immerse yourself in literature and, and, and a book that suits your style. It's funny you say that. I was in the works today. So the works, for the, for the benefit of anyone who doesn't know what it is, is like a discount bookstore. Uh, we have in the UK, um, and I was very lucky enough to pick up a copy of the Kira and Han Solo novel Most Wanted for one pound. <laughs> I was uh, I was breathtaking when I saw that in the store. I just went in there on a whim, just to have a little look around, thinking, let's see if they've got anything cool. And it was the last um, edition they had on the shelf, the last book, and I thought, well, I'm going to pick that up for a pound. But as I carried on going through the store, they had the um, Atlas Guide, which is the DK book, um, and it was eight pounds. That's good. And yeah, so I have the Atlas um, already, and 
I, I was given it as a as a Christmas present last year, I think it was. Um, and at time of purchase, it was, and I know this because obviously I'd keep an eye on it on Amazon, it was about £25, £26 um, because it's a massive coffee table book, A3 size. Um, the, 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 the Atlas kind of pulls out the planets and the map of, the, of all the planets across the galaxy. And when I saw it, I thought, I'm half tempted to pick up another copy anyway, just for the sake of it, because it is so cheap. Um, but I, I for, for World Book Day, I hadn't even thought about all the DK books, because I've got quite a lot. Um, mm. You know, you kindly bought me the book of Aliens for my birthday last year. Um, and that is an outstanding book. Uh, it's beautiful, but that. It's a fantastic book. And the detail that it goes into for all the aliens that are in... Um, in Star Wars is, is absolutely fantastic. And there was something you look in and you think, I have no idea who that is. But then you start reading it and you'd be like, oh, okay, that kind of makes sense. Um, let alone the details that they put together in things like the, the Atlas um, and the blueprints that they do of some of the, um, the, the ships. The vehicles. Yeah, yeah, the vehicles. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, I hadn't even thought about DK. Well, they, their books are just superb i might mean, they, they even do the tie-ins to all the lego ones the amount of star wars lego books that dk have done now yeah yeah the visual dictionaries as well that come yeah. out now um all done by dk and i think dk has been a great partner for star wars um since they since have. they dot when it first started to come out they have they've done a really good job mero have you got any of the dk star wars books i do not Yet. <laughs> nice, nice tag on the end. Go and find your local Barnes and Noble. Have a little look. There are some absolutely awesome DK Star Wars books. I love Barnes and Noble when I go to the States because they always have a really good Star Wars section. Not necessarily just for books. Um, some of the um, action figures that I've got, I've actually bought in Barnes and Nobles because their section is so cool. It is. Just a random thing that I wanted to throw out there. Uh, <laughs> and new, you, you guys would like Newberry Comics out here. Yes. I don't know if you have any of those in the UK, but they've got a wonderful selection of all things geek and nerd that they have a nice Star Wars selection. No, I go, no, I look, and I drool over the R2s and stuff. <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, yeah. I'll look those up. I I think I went to a Newbury Comics last time. I, I went to Boston a few years back. Um, and there's a Newbury Comics, I swear, by a market. <laughs> that that it, narrows it down. Yeah, it really does. I know it's really useful. Uh, but it was like two floors, really big comic book store. Um, I have a comic book store in Colchester where I live here in the UK called Ace Comics, um, which is a pretty cool store, but it's it's not super big. And obviously, when I went to this Newbury store, it's, it's it's not as big as like Midtown Comics in New York, um, which I've been to many a time. Whenever I every time I go to New York, I always go to Midtown Comics because it's just brilliant. Um, and it kind of puts into perspective some of the stores we have here. The closest I think we have that would be like that would be Forbidden Planet, right? Uh, which obviously, Dave, we went to before we went to see Star Wars in concert uh, mm. last year. But, yeah, I really enjoyed Newbury Comics. It was quite nice. The people in there were really kind of friendly. 
Um, as soon as you start talking in an English accent in Boston, you kind of worry that people are going to hate you <laughs> due to the uh, the tea party and whatnot. But um, they uh-huh. were they were really cool. Um, I, I was wearing a Batman T-shirt as well, so I think that kind of showed that I'm 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 not just a normal nerd. <laughs> Next um, time, just to hop on the bus, go two hours north, and then we'll take care of you. <laughs> Excellent. I will bear that in mind for sure. Um, but yeah, I think that's a that's a pretty cool way to wrap up um, International Book Week, oh. uh, Book Day, I should say. Uh, and then obviously the following point that we're going to jump into, and I'm going to hand over to you, Dave, is your virtual marathon run. How's it going? Oh, <laughs> I've got 10 <laughs> days. Okay, so for, for people who don't know what this is, um, every winter spring time um disney do this uh run disney um and it, it culminates with early east uh, early april where there is a run disney weekend in one of the parks now alex knows more about that that, that than i do but what they do between january and march is a virtual run um, and it, it's, it's a great idea. It allows people who can't get to the parks to, to partake in, in the, the run Disney. It mm-hmm. allows people who, for whatever reason, can't run, um, who people with limited mobility or people who've never run before, who want to try and get into running, people who, who want to lose weight. So there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of groups of people where this could appeal. Um, and we were talking about this 12 months ago. Alex and myself. Alex is a very keen runner um i hate running but i appreciate that it is something that i should do my wife runs a running group um she went on a, a sport england course to to know how to run one of these things so she she knows about running um i play squash and i, I coach squash and i know that when i'm fitter um when i'm when i've been running my squash improves because I'm faster on a court. I'm, I, I have better stamina when I'm playing. So I understand and I, I get the benefits of it. Um, and then 12 months ago, I damaged my ankle fairly badly um, playing squash. Um, snapped something that took the best part of 10 months to heal. Um, so all my running went out the window. My, my squash, to be fair, went out the window for a while. Um, I've had to have my, my leg bound up for the best part of 10 months while it's been healing uh, but as of christmas um it the strength is is pretty much there again at the end call it, it i can rotate it again i can i can use it again so alex and myself were chatting and said right okay we didn't do it last year oh well, i think you did but i couldn't do it last year because of my ankle um but this year i'm going to do it so for me, it's about getting fit again and about running and running regularly, which I, I, I cannot stress enough how much I hate running <laughs> and how painful running is for me. The, the, there's lots of people that discuss something called fun runs. And I'm sorry, but those two words should never <laughs> be used in the same sentence. <laughs> never mind attacked by a hyphen. It's, I'm sorry, but, but there's no such thing as a fun run. Um, um, yes, yeah, so I have now set myself a, a very specific challenge because you, 
within the virtual uh, the, the run disney virtual run you get three months i can do my half marathon over the course of from i think it was something like the 3rd of january until the 31st of march and i can clock up 21.1 kilometers which is 13.1 miles if I want to at any time over that period to claim my certificate, to claim my medal and say I've done it. But I'm aware of the fact that I want to make it a proper challenge because I'm I'm raising money for a young lady. Uh, she's 15 at the moment and she has this fantastic opportunity to go on a once in a lifetime research uh, trip to, to Madagascar. Um, group of... of uh, students who've been selected for this but she has to fund herself she has to pay three and a half thousand pounds which is probably what four thousand dollars um or possibly a bit more uh, she has to find that money herself and that pays for all of her travel out there her accommodation and also pays to support the research teams that are out there and the research teams do great job they they monitor the environment that's out there and in, in, there's different groups that go out to loads of different places under a, um, a group called operation wallacea um, and they they go to lots of developing nations uh, south america latin america um, asia and africa and they not only do they do valuable research into the impact of of humans on the environment but also they study the ecology that they go out to to research and they they go back repeatedly year after year which allows us to amass data over the the, the length of the the, the uh, research trips that they go out there which allows us to track the environment over time but they also give valuable training and advice to local indigenous populations, helping them to understand the, the treasure trove that they have with their local environment, how to live in, in harmony with their local environment, how to, how to exploit their local environment, but in a positive way so that they can make it into a tourist destination that, that, is valuable and gives back to the local community, allowing the local community to, to lift themselves out of poverty as well. So they do lots of really good things. Um, and, and so this this uh, this young lady, uh, she's grown out there. And so I've agreed to do the, the virtual, the Run Disney Run um, to raise money for her. So you can find all the details on our website and it'll, it'll give you full details of, of how to, to sponsor us if you want to. Um, but to make it a challenge, what I've said is I will run the full 21 uh, kilometers over a course of 10 days. Now, for context, I struggle to run more than five kilometers in, in a single run. I tend to do two to three runs a week. So what I'm setting myself is it's a bit of a task because I'm going to do 21 kilometers in 10 days. That's an average of 2.1 kilometers a day. Um, and, and to make it even more difficult, I'm setting myself a target of seven minutes per kilometer. So that's what about 11 minutes per mile, something mm -hmm. like that. So that's, that's relatively fast. Um, my my average 
is getting closer to that. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not there yet, and <laughs> I've got 10 days. <laughs> um, but over those 10 days, I will post my distance travelled, which, which should be a minimum of 2.1 kilometres, and my time taken. So, uh, yeah, my, my target is to do the entire 21 kilometres, 13.1 miles in, in two and a half hours. And if, if I don't do that, then I will consider that a failure. Um, so that's that's why it's a tall order. That's that's me done. <laughs> and it is commendable that you're doing it for that particular cause because clearly they're doing good things. Um, and yeah, I can feel your pain when it comes to the training side of things. As as like you touched on, yeah, I've done a few half marathons in the past, and uh, as as we mentioned on last year on the podcast, I did the the dark side challenge over in Florida, which was a 5k, 10k and a half marathon three days in a row. So Ooh. yeah, I had to train my, my butt off for that. Um, and to your point, I, I dislike running as well. I really do. It, it's a good way for me to stay fit. I, I'm not really one of these people that go to the gym. I don't like the gym at all. Um, but working at, working out by running, uh, is fun. I, I run with my wife. We run together. It's not um, fun. When you run with somebody else, it is because you can actually kind of de-stress. And I'd rather run after a football. I'm not going to lie. You know, if there's a football involved, I'll happily run after it. But, you know, knowing that I was going to get these Star Wars medals is kind of what yeah. made it made it easier for me. Um, I'm doing another 36K challenge later on in the year, running around Disneyland Paris. Um, although, oddly, this one is actually for fun and not for charity or anything. So uh, I'm a, I think I'm a bit of a weirdo for doing that, but nevertheless... <laughs> I'm going to do it anyway. Um, but yeah, I'm also doing the, the virtual, uh, same as you. Uh, so between now and the end of March, I'll be clocking up my miles um, starting next weekend. I was going to start this weekend, but it's really windy here in the UK this weekend. I mean, it, it is. It, it is. It's a horrible thing to run in uh, when it's this windy. Um, and I know that Mera's got six inches of snow, so me moaning about a little bit of wind really shouldn't be that much of a big deal in well, comparison. Yeah, and I feel like bad because I was supposed to be doing this as, as far as walking <laughs> because I do 15 miles a week walking. Mm. And, um, and it was yeah. totally like, oh, it's still not too late. I'm sitting here going, no. oh, gosh, I think I've missed the end. <laughs> no, 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 no. Sorry, sorry, sorry Mara, but um, you can still do it. <laughs> there's, there's no excuse. <laughs> you can yeah, register, yeah. I think, all the way up until the end of March because you've got oh. to do it by the 31st of March. Yes. Oh, because oh, I'm just like, here I am, I'm listening to these guys, and I'm like, well, you're, <laughs> you were just walking, Rara, what's wrong <laughs> with you? Um, so, you anyway, I guess all hope is not lost. Maybe I can still well, walk and get it done yeah. in a week. <laughs> the, the entrance fee um, for doing the, the virtual runs, that goes towards, um, oh, it's the Wish Upon a Star. Oh, charity or make a wish yeah. make a wish that was it make a, make wish. a wish foundation, foundation. Yeah, yeah. yes yeah which which allows children with with potentially life threatening illnesses um, end of life illnesses mm. to have their their Dreams wish come true which could be yeah. yeah it could be meeting batman it could be going to uh, disney world or something disney yeah. world yeah. It, it could yeah it could be visiting father christmas um so yeah, so the, the, even the entrance fee for doing this as a goes to a good cause. So yeah, yeah, you don't 
have to be raising money separately. <laughs> no. I mean, I, I'm just doing it for fun, don't I call it that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so obviously I'll be paying the, the 70 bucks uh, to be doing it. And then at the end of it, I'll get a nice medal um, from, from Disney to go to, with the other collection that I've got. So I'm looking forward to doing that. This will be my first medal. My wife's got loads of medals from runs. She does 10Ks and half marathons, and she's got loads of medals. I've got none. <laughs> when, you, when you get your first bit of bling, it becomes an addiction. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Only if it involves Star Wars. Well, if, if, it, um, if it's anything that you might want to do is that Disney are also doing, this is not Star Wars related, but it is Marvel related. Um, between June, July, and August, uh, they are doing virtual 5Ks. So in the month of June, you can register and do a 5K in June, a 5K in July, and a 5K in August. Each month, the medal is a different Marvel hero. I think they are Black Panther, Iron Man, Thor. If you do all three of them, you get a Marvel Challenge medal, which I think is Captain America or something like that. Um, Again, that's only 5K, though, rather than the half marathon. Which means I could do that in one stint. Exactly. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's like... $40 $40 for one month. So like you end up paying, if you pay like $150 for, you end up getting four medals. Yes. So again, your collection can grow if you want to start doing that. It That's open globally, by the way, listeners. It's not just anyone in the UK or the US. This is globally because it's a yes. virtual run. You can be anywhere in the world. If you want to go for a 5K run in the summer or even try and crack in a half marathon before the end of March, you can go ahead and do that. You submit your time on the Run Disney website, which is where all the information is. It's rundisney.com, and you'll be able to see all that information, including information about uh, the, the virtual marathon that we've done full-on 36-kilometer challenge because they're doing it again this year in April. Um, sadly, I'm not doing it again. Uh, I really want to. Um, there's something about running around Disney World in Florida that's quite quite cool um, because you're obviously doing the runs before the parks are opening. So it's it's dark. It's it's still warm because it's Florida, um, but the parks are empty. There's nobody around. All, all the only people that are there are the staff and people cheering you on as you're running. You know, you're running past the castle in, in the Magic Kingdom or Space Mountain, you know, and it's such a strange, such a strange thing to see because normally it's full of people all hustling and bustling. Um, so it's pretty cool. Mm. Future ones could well then run past Galaxy's Edge. They will most definitely run past Galaxy's Edge in Hollywood Studios. Absolutely. Especially the ones that are Star Wars themed. You can imagine something big going on for that. <laughs> exactly and that is a good way to actually segment onto the next couple of pieces of news that we've got for you guys is episode so earlier on this week i think it was there was an announcement at a disney shareholder meeting where there's there was, there was quite a few different pieces that of, of information that were kind of shared number one is around galaxy's edge but we'll come to that in a minute the other one was some details about episode nine um and the lucky people in the room got to see some footage um, of episode nine. Whether or not this is a trailer, whether or not it's like one of these highlight reels um, that they do, who knows? But ultimately, it's showed the one thing that's kind of been kind of put out there in, in the public domain, and it's been quite sketchy. These details is that the return of Darth Vader's helmet. Mm. Um, the, the the news basically touched on that. Kylo Ren again uses the mark, the helmet as as inspiration, for want of a better word. Um, and the details where he has it 
in a box and he takes the lid off the box and his helmet's there and he starts talking to it again. Um, for me, I think that's a great introdu- reintroduction uh, again. Um, in episode seven, we saw the big deal that he was Vader's grandson. Um, he used the helmet, as we saw, as as his go-to uh, to a certain extent, asking him to show him the way, uh, finish what he started, etc. Uh, and if they bring it back for episode nine, I'm really happy with that, guys. I don't know about you, Mira. What what are your thoughts on hearing that news? Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't know to be honest. I mean, it's definitely hinting back at um, what JJ was uh, attempting to do in Force Awakens. Uh, um. So, I mean, it's definitely going to, uh, it's piqued my interest. Like, how are they going to, how's he tying that in? Why, how is he bringing that back? Is he going to be the new, well, he can't be the new Darth Vader. I mean, can he? (laughs) (laughs) It'll it'll definitely be interesting to see. Um, I am looking forward to seeing what JJ has done with episode nine, for sure. So, um. I don't know. I, I guess I'm a lot of things that uh, the last couple of movies have made me is cautious and I'm trying to uh, keep it as a reveal <laughs> for when we actually see it. But it's definitely interesting. I, I want to see what's going to be done about it. That's vague and probably horrible answer, but. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's piqued my interest for sure. Dave? Um, yeah, I, I, we're, we're getting closer and closer to the movie, aren't we? It, it, it frustrates me we've not seen anything. They're <laughs> uh, waiting um, for celebration, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we knew that. And it makes perfect sense. Oh. Um, yeah, it doesn't make it any easier, though. Um, <laughs> But no, I, I like the idea of bringing back Vader's helmet. It's, my, my question is, is this retconning? Is this trying to repair something that J.J. Abrams feels went wrong in the middle part of the story? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Until we see it, I don't think we'll know any of those the, those answers. but. Because it was only alluded to in um, Force Awakens. I mean, no, no mention in Last Jedi. No, no. But, but in... Yeah, yeah but you, you had Force Awakens where he he studied his grandfather's helmet, where he mm-hmm. talked to it, where yeah. he told it he would complete what he'd begun. Mm-hmm. Um, you then went to the, the middle part of the trilogy where Snoke told him to get rid of those that mm-hmm. obs- absurd helmet um and and stop trying to emulate his his grandfather um so for now i mean and there's been talk for a while that uh kylo will have a helmet again or Mm -hmm. a mask of some type and that has been talked about for a bit now so again is i ask the question is this ratconning is this is this trying to undo something that where the story may have have gone off the rails in the middle part of the story it could be 
it could be a dig of JJ saying he is finishing what he started. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> very good. I, I doubt it very much, but hey, hey um, you know, JJ has always been publicly, anyway, complimentary of JJ of Ryan Johnson's The Last Jedi. Um, so, you know, I don't, I, I don't think there'll be any untoward digs, for want of a better word, at, at The Last Jedi. But ultimately, I think JJ is going to tell the story that he wanted to tell somehow. Yeah. Um, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, so let's hope he, he manages to <laughs> to do that. And the other interesting piece that was shown. Um, and this actually links back to something that we touched on in the podcast last week. Um, an image is shown, or a snippet is shown, of Finn, Ray, and Poe in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon. So, obviously, in the podcast last week, and an article that you brilliantly wrote midweek, Dave, was around how the newer films have the chemistry, the interactions missing of our key trilogy uh, of individuals when we compare it to Padme, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin and then obviously Luke, Leia and Han in the the, the, sequ- the original trilogy and now in the sequel trilogy a holy trinity of, of characters of obviously Finn, Ray, and Poe. Previously they have never been on scene together apart from the end of, of The Last Jedi when they fly off on the Millennium Falcon. We saw Poe and Finn get some sort of chemistry when they jump in a TIE fighter in the, the Force Awakens, and obviously they then crash. We obviously then see uh, Finn and Ray get very close, let's be honest, um, in, in their continuation of the story through the Force Awakens. But then The Last Jedi kind of splits them up again. Um, you know, Finn, Finn is obviously in that back to tank and then goes off on his mission with Rose. Ray is on... Um, back to... Act two, thank you. I think they said Batu, but that's obviously for Galaxy's Edge. We'll get there in a minute. But he, she's obviously on Act two with with Luke, and then obviously we see uh, Poe on the spaceship. <laughs> so you know we don't get that 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 camaraderie. We don't get a collective view, as it were, uh, of these three. But one thing that is obviously has been leaked is the three of them in the in in, in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon and. I'm hoping that's a good thing, and I'm hoping that JJ has probably seen this disconnect uh, with those three. That let's be honest, he introduced these three characters. Um, they're his idea of where the future of the films and the franchise should be going. Um, so maybe he'll, he's going to build upon what he's again. He's going to finish what he started with with this trinity of characters and. and taking them the, the franchise forward that way what do we think guys do we think we're going to see an awesome scene of the three of them in the in the comic where's chewy though hold on <laughs> that, where? just okay where's chewy yeah and lando possibly already dead oh dave <laughs> oh no. no we know lando's gonna die right i mean well, allegedly, yeah. The, well, you know, they've killed off all the other original characters. Let's just kill off Chewie and Lando, R2 and 3PO, and we're good to go. Um, no, never R2. <laughs> I mean, but, never Chewie. But I think, yeah, that. I mean, that, that, that's an interesting thing that they've put forward to these these shareholders, right? That that scene and the the the, the main three of the new trilogy coming together. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. I think we've seen another picture of Finn and Poe together, but yeah, definitely all three. It would be nice to see. It would. And I think that, because we were discussing this on our last podcast, actually, 
mm. which is what triggered my my writing of the the article really was that we don't have the same we've not bought into these characters the same as we've bought into the either the prequels or the original trilogies characters and I'm not saying that they're not well-acted characters. They're fantastically well-acted characters. I really, really do think that, especially in, in Force Awakens, I loved Finn's character. Um, I loved... I mean, I'll, I'll come to Rey in a second because I think she's like the main, the linchpin of the three of them. But mm. I loved Finn's character. He was this naive... He was this... He wanted to do better. He, he felt trapped where he was. And... He he's almost got the Luke naivety um, of the the original trilogy. You've then got Poe Dameron, who is very much um, the the worldly wise, the knowledgeable, the skilled. He becomes almost like the 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 Han Solo of this story. Um, I liked his character so much that when I drew um, a few of us once, I drew myself as as Poe. I, I chose his flight suit. It wasn't just a random um, pilot's flight suit. It, it was Poe Dameron's. I liked his character so much. Um, and then you, you had Ray, like I said, who was the linchpin. She was the one who was where you knew the story was going to evolve with her because she was the force user. You had the flashbacks when she first handles the lightsaber and you knew she was, she was tipped for the greatness. If that, if that makes sense, she was the Luke, um, not necessarily from the naivety perspective because she, she, despite growing up on the planet, she was, she was already a fighter she was already uh, wise in looking after herself which finn doesn't have finn has finn has that innocence that luke had she had more of the feistiness that that Leia has but coupled with the the affinity to the force so three fantastic characters and three well-acted characters um but never a shared camaraderie. There was never this. There was never this family feel between them. Um, each of them have had victories, but they're isolated victories. They're not shared collective victories um, and tragedies. The, the, the tragedies are not shared collective tragedies. Um, the best, the closest you get to that is when you see two of them together when something happens. You never see all three of them. And I think for me, that's the bit that it was only when I started to write the article I realised that. Yeah. So seeing that as a snippet for episode nine is we've kind of crossed some of the things that we we're going to talk about around it, and that, and that obviously touching on your article and leading into the picture of Mark Hamill and Han Solo mm. and him commenting that this could be the reunion that everybody would have liked to have seen basically um <clears throat> kind of called it out a little bit that this hasn't actually happened so it, it's funny because when i when i saw that picture i initially thought oh that's really sad that we didn't get it but the weird thing for me was that at the end of the false awakens i kind of understood 
where the, the story was going to go. You know, Luke had cut himself off from the force. He disconnected himself from the real world, blah, blah, blah. And at that point, I kind of accepted it. You know, he's done a Yoda. He, Yoda has seen the bad going on in the world, but he's gone to Dagobah so he could learn more about the force and kind of Luke has done effectively the same thing. Where now I get that beef, for want of a better word, is because of The Last Jedi and how mm. that was treated. And at the end, so if you spoke to me at the end of The Force Awakens and said to me, how do you feel about Han not meeting Luke? I'd have been, well, it's a little bit sad, but for the point of the story, I kind of get it. Mm-hmm. Yet now, if you ask me that same question, well, today or, or at the end of The Last Jedi, I'm thinking this is an absolute travesty mm. um, because it wasn't handled the in my opinion, anyway, it wasn't handled the best way it could have been. Mm. Yeah. And it's a very strange feeling to have because, like I said, at the end of one film, I was like, okay, that's fine. I get it as long as it, as long as the story then goes the way it should go. And then maybe, again, this is my own headcanon. I don't know. Because it didn't go the way that I wanted it to go, hoped it would go, thought it would go. I'm now feeling aggrieved the same way that quite a lot of the other fans are, by the sounds of it. Um, Mark Hamill went further than just posting the photograph. He he gave an interview where he expressed his dismay that there was never a reunion between him, mm. Carrie, and Harrison on screen. Um, it it went further than just a photograph. Mm. And again, again, is this is the symptom exactly the same as why? we don't see Finn, Ray, and Poe. Is it because the people that have picked up the franchise didn't understand the importance of that? I, I'm going to say no. Reason being, Kathleen Kennedy was handpicked by George Lucas because of her understanding of the movie industry, the fact that she learned with him and learn with Spielberg who are massive influences in not just the movie industry and also Star Wars. So, you know, you've got this individual that was picked by George Lucas. The only other person he could have gone to was Dave Filoni. Mm. Um, and, but you know, for whatever reason he didn't get picked and rightly or wrongly, but Kathleen Kennedy has done huge things in, in the movie industry. She is an amazing producer. She's made some cracking films. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, she hasn't done a bad job of Star Wars. She's um, She's let's be honest, a lot of people hate her for that. But they had this, and you touched on it last week, Dave, you know, they had that family dynamic in Rebels. They had that They had that family feeling, we all know they were going to die. <laughs> um, but ultimately, at the end of it, I know a lot of people didn't feel connected to the characters, but you still had that camaraderie, you had the collectiveness, you had that They, joint... they shared a lot of time on screen as a yeah. whole. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and that's, that's what you need. You almost need... It, it allows you to watch the interplay between characters, mm-hmm. and it allows you to see how they form their own pecking order within their team. Yeah. And, and that then allows you to relate to them more as human, rather than yeah. just players on a screen. And, and the same with Solo. You know, we saw yes. obviously Solo and Kira initially, but then obviously with Lando, uh, Chewie, you know, and the I, I, whole crew that um, Woody Harrison's character, whose name was completely 
Beckett. Beckett, thank Beckett, you. Yeah. yeah. Beckett, you know, you, the, the dynamics there kind of grew. They, they've completely missed the point in the last year. Um, but, but I'm not blaming Kathleen Kennedy for this. I'm, I'm saying, is this the writers of these stories and ultimately the directors of these stories that missed the point? If they missed yeah. this, I, this, 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 what, what makes... And, and it, it then that that then goes back to the the heart of my my article, which was what makes what is Star Wars? What makes Star Wars successful? Why why have we had this longevity of brand for forty one years? Why do we still love those original characters? Why do we still love the prequel tra- characters, despite the bad press that the prequel got at the time? you still enjoyed the interplay between the, the main protagonists, the main characters. Yeah. And Star Wars for me isn't just, it's not just great visuals. It's not just a good story. It's not just fantastic music. It, it's the fact that you, you've got all of that, but you've got a very human element to the story. And and I think that's the bit that's missing. Well, you've got a you've got a band of ragtag misfits, if you will, that come together for a cause. Yes. And a belief that they can fight something bigger that doesn't seem possible to beat. And you have that bond with people who are struggling for the same goal and they meet and they may be total opposites, but there's a connection because they want to defeat the same evil. And it's been that theme throughout, no matter what they've done, even Resistance has this uh, theme through it. Um, everything but this last part of the, you know, this, this latest trilogy. It's, there's no, um, I mean, we've got a first order threat we've got, um, but I don't feel like we're coming together to beat this ultimate evil. Um, like They're not have. a team. Yeah. They're not the a team. They're a bunch of individuals. Yeah. Yeah, and who's got who's back? Who believes in somebody who might not, you know, have the greatest, uh, you know? I mean, it was the belief and the love of his friends that that made Luke go on and fight and stand up, and even when he found out it was his father. Yes. You know. Yeah, yeah. He he goes to sacrifice himself to the emperor so yeah. that the mission and his friends aren't captured. Yeah. He gives himself up. He he, he turns away from his training because he knows his friends are in danger. The mm. lot of them travel out to Jabba's palace to defeat him to to recover Han Solo. Yeah, it's a team thing. It's not an individual thing. And what we're seeing in the new trilogy is each of the characters evolving in isolation. Well, he is hoping that JJ. Oh, sorry, Dave. No, no, I was just saying, it's just not collectively. It's not the team is not evolving. The individuals are. And, and if anything, because they're spending so much time apart, they're evolving as individuals, not as a team. Mm-hmm. They're, they're moving further away from each other. Unless JJ brings them all back together and miraculously we have a... Mm-hmm. We can 
we can hope. hope. Yeah, exactly. Hope seems to be, (laughs) I was going to say, hope (laughs) seems to be the thing across Star Wars in any generation, uh, let alone uh, sequel trilogy, original trilogy, or Rogue One, as it were. So, uh, yeah. And I think that's wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's that's, that's actually a pretty good segue uh, to our final topic. Unless there's anything else that I've missed, guys, before I jump into Galaxy's Edge. No, I don't think so. I think that's it. So the reason why I say that's an interesting segue uh, is because over the past couple of weeks, Galaxy's Edge has been, sorry, Disney, have been dropping so much information about Galaxy's Edge. So Galaxy's Edge is obviously going to be, for want of a better phrase, Star Wars land um, in, in both the California Park, Disneyland, and also the Florida Park, Mort Disney World. Um, and Ali made me laugh on the previous podcast where the initial set of information kind of got dropped and he said oh no we can't have a podcast without Alex um, which I, I took as a compliment you know um, which is great but the reason obviously Ali you are Mr Disney to be fair yeah. that, that's the thing yeah uh, the unofficial correspondence of Disney Parks at the, at the General Council let's be honest um, and so for the benefit of people who, who don't know I, I've I own Disney Vacation Club, which is the kind of timeshare thing that Disney have. So I tend to go to Florida once or twice, three, maybe four times a year, <laughs> depending. Um, and fortunately enough, because of Galaxy's Edge, um, I will be visiting California in August and I'll be visiting Florida in November. So by the end of this year, I would have been to both versions uh, of, of Galaxy's Edge, which I am super excited about. And of course, you will follow my adventures on the Jedi Council uh, Twitter feed, Facebook, Instagram. I'm just going to be putting a load of stuff up. Let's let's be honest, guys. Uh, and over the past couple of weeks, we've obviously seen information. So first and foremost is we now know when Galaxy's Edge is going to be opening. Uh, last week at this same um, shareholder conference, if you want to call it that, uh, where they showed information about Episode Nine, and as we just touched on. The parks are going to be opening in California on the 31st of May and then again in Florida on August the 30th. I'm just quickly checking my sources on that one. Uh, August the 29th, sorry, August the 29th um, in Florida. So I'm obviously going to be there, uh, thankfully, this year for to see both of those. But how this is going to be played out is that Disney have kind of been quite strategical in the way that they're doing this. They are going to be releasing or opening the parks, I should say, in phases. So phase one is going to be effectively kind of the first half of the land. Um, And the ride that will be opening is the um, Millennium Falcon Smugglers Run. Uh, So that's going to be the first ride that opens for that period of time. And then it will be opening in a phase two which will then be the rest of the land. And then, of course, the the ride that, that seems to be getting the most amount of hype, which is Rise of the Resistance. Um, so if you guys remember correctly, a few podcasts ago, we talked about this ride. This is the one that's going to be lasting 28 minutes. Um, so that's going to be quite interesting how they play that out. Um, but the obviously the Millennium Falcon Smugglers Run is where you accompany Chewie uh, and Hondo Anaka. Uh, the pirate into f- piloting the Millennium Falcon, which as a kid, I've always wanted to do that. So I am so looking forward to driving the Millennium Falcon. You know, Dave, when we visited uh, the Disney offices um, at the back end of last year, we were fortunate enough to sit in that Millennium Falcon cockpit, which was oh, pretty cool. Um, 
and we had a lot of fun doing that, let alone being in the position to actually then drive the thing. <laughs> I'm sure you'd agree that's a pretty cool thing to do. Take pictures, Alex. Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. I'm definitely <laughs> going to be doing that. Um, of you driving. So, piloting, firing the cannons, whatever. I'm going to yes, be doing yes. <laughs> so they oh, were, Can you imagine that? You know, setting the quad guns. Because well, the, the interesting part of the, the, the Millennium Falcon Smugglers run is that there are six of you, okay? So there are six of you that are in the cockpit. So if we think back to how the, the seats are positioned in, in the Millennium Falcon, unless I'm, unless I'm going blind, I only remember four seats. Yeah. Not four seats, yeah. So you've got, let's, let's go back to the original trilogy. You had Chewie and Han, then you had the seats behind them, which effectively had um, like Luke and Leia or Obi-Wan and Leia at one point. And that was about it. I don't know where the other two seats are. Now, maybe the, yeah. yeah, so maybe, maybe the... Fold downs. <laughs> you know, you know fold a down, space saver. Fold up yeah. into the, the wall so you can like... <laughs> <laughs> or like what, what are the name of those beds that you can pull down from the wall right. that you can then sleep in and then put the wall back up? Um, but effectively, there are two people that drive, two people that navigate, and two people that are basically firing the cannons. Um, so that's what you do on the ride. So... I need to write it three times so I can do at least one of each. Um, that would be very cool. But what also Disney have announced is some really cool facts uh, about what they're going to be doing. So D- Disney have basically taken this to a whole new level. So if you've been to Harry Potter World in Universal or indeed in Orlando or California, you would have seen how immersive it is. But Disney have taken it a step forward and actually made Galaxy's Edge canon. It is Batu. Uh, so for those of you that have read the uh, Thrawn Alliance book, this is where this book is set. Um, it is going to be part of a comic book series as well. Um, and the time period that this land is in is set between The Last Jedi and Episode Nine. Um, that's kind of all been released, which is pretty cool. Uh, and on the actual location on the planet Batu is a place called the Black Spire Outpost. Now, this is where it gets really good fun because they've released a whole kind of information around food, drink, things you can buy, how the cast members are going to be dressed, what they're going to look like. And they have basically just gone, we're just going to make Star Wars real. Um, mm-hmm. if, if, the, if we weren't in Florida or California, you can literally be in a galaxy far, far away. Um, or as the case may be, a galaxy's edge far, far away. Um, and there are a variety of different news sites that you can kind of find a hell of a lot of detail about this. And if, if I started to talk about everything in the finite detail, um, this podcast would be lasting about about five hours uh, for want of a better time frame. Um, but effectively, in Galaxy's Edge, you can eat um, in a place called Ogre's Cantina, which is where you can get a, a drink. Um, there is a place called Docking Bay 7 and the Ronto Roasters. Now, the Ronto Roasters is, is a restaurant. So the theme in this, they've, they've kind of nailed the theme in. And as you can probably tell by the excitement in my voice, listeners, um, the Ronto's Roasters is really cool because the, the, the food that you eat is cooked on a pod racer engine. Um, ah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so let's cast our mind back to episode one, The Phantom Man. It's when we see the pod, pod racer, right, uh, the pod racing scene and the race basically they've taken an engine off of one of them stuck it in the middle of a restaurant and it's become an oven (laughs) there's no other way to describe it um now 
in the real world, this isn't a real engine. It's not a diesel engine. It's a proper oven. Um, you know, your food isn't going to be smelling of petrol. Uh, let's not worry about that. Um, but effectively, they're trying to get this theming so down to a T that they're taking it to that level of, of sophistication, to that level of detail and the finite detail that they've gone to is, is pretty amazing. Um, and, you know, the, they've even taken it to the whole level where you can actually have blue and green milk. Um, now, some of us aren't exactly a fan of the green milk from The Last Jedi. Alas, let's not worry about that. Um, but you can have blue milk from the original trilogy. Um, and again, it's more like a, it's more like a milkshake um, more than anything, uh, which is pretty cool uh, in my mind. Um, but in, in all of the different restaurants, you know, they've gone so, they've gone crazy where they're actually naming these things that you can eat based on in-world animals. Now, obviously this is based around the real world, but you're not going to get a hamburger. You're not going to get chicken nuggets. You're not going to get fries. You're going to get things like the Cadu ribs. Now, the Cadu is the wingless bird that Jar Jar Binks rides in The Phantom Menace. Um, you can get the ribs that are cut from that. Now, obviously, this is actually just a beef rib in the real world. But nevertheless, you know, they are taking the imaginary animals that has been created in the Star Wars universe and putting them on a barbecue, basically. Um, and I'm, I think that's absolutely amazing. Um, and, uh, and apparently the detail of, of cut of the beef that they've got for some of these is that you can't actually get this cut of beef anywhere else in the world because Disney have basically said to like butchers or whatever, we need to make this so unique. We don't need to cut the rib in a normal way. Now, I have no idea what that actually means. I have no idea what that's actually going to look like. But that's quite an interesting way to kind of make your food, right? Mm. Um, so, you know, so Disney, you've really gone over and above what what you'd expect. Um, and I have a feeling that they are just going to keep outdoing themselves the more and more that this actual, um, the, the more people go there, the more people get into it um but just to give you guys an idea of some of the drinks that they're bringing out as well um they have things like a bloody rancor which is effectively a bloody mary <laughs> to be honest um you have a black spire brew uh which is like an iced coffee um you have a yub nub yep that's right ladies and gentlemen they have a drink called a yub nub um, which is basically Ewok juice, um, and they have a fuzzy tonton. Oh, what's, a, what's Ewok juice? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, there's, uh, oh, by the way, those ones are both alcoholic. Um, so, you know, it, it, they're really mixed up between what is a soft drink and what is an alcohol-free drink. Um, but effectively, there is a whole mixture um, of what you can get, both alcoholic, non-alcoholic, soft drinks, hard drinks, whatever. And I'm I'm super excited about going um and i'm super excited about seeing what is going to be on offer at this purely just walking around having a look um and then reporting back to you guys of what i've seen um what i've experienced and and having a really good time um and you know listeners i think that that, that kind of emphasizes the level of detail that disney are really putting into this galaxy's edge um there's been no news around phase two yet there's been no opening dates as far as i'm aware um but ultimately, they are going to get to a point where they're going to be ready to open that. The reason being they're doing it in this phase is apparently, according to Bob Iger, is that the overwhelming public demand made mm -hmm. them realise they need to give the public something prior to 
waiting a little bit longer to give them everything. So let's just call it a bit of a soft opening, if you want to call it that. Um, so I think that Disney have done a pretty good thing there. Um, the other interesting thing as a, as a Disney goer is that none of these rides have fast pass. So for those of you who are familiar with Disney, we know what that is, but if you're not, the fast pass is your ability to get a ticket to a ride at a certain point in the day so you don't have to queue for like hours on end. Um, so therefore, as a, as a frequent goer, I would always get fast passes for the rides that I like. And, you know, if it's at nine o'clock at night, you do whatever you want to do during the day, then you go back at nine o'clock at night and then you ride the ride. With this, they've taken that away for now. Um, I do envisage that they will bring it, bring it back at some point. But I think to give everybody the experience of the queue, because I genuinely think the reason why they've done this is because there's so much to see and do in the actual queue, which sounds really odd because it's a queue for a ride. You go there to get on the ride. But I think where they've made it such an immersive experience, they're giving you more as you queue up for the ride as well. So there's things that you're going to want to see before you even get on the ride. That's my assumption, by the way, listeners. That's not... Uh, uh, <laughs> that's not been announced as something that's happening. So yeah, you can't get any fast pass, which is a strange thing, but I kind of understand why. Mm. Um, and finally, about Galaxy's Edge, is that if you are trying to access it, again, Disney have gone a little bit strange in the way that they're doing this. So for Disneyland in California, um, you for the first month and a half between the end of May and obviously the, the end of June, early July, you have to make a reservation to go into the theme park. So if you've got your park ticket to go into Disneyland Resort, that's all good. If you then want to go to Galaxy's Edge in between that time period, you have to get an additional reservation to go into the park. Um, now, this is free. You don't have to pay for it. Um, if you had to pay for it, there'd be massive outcry, I'd imagine. Uh, but ultimately, you then have to tell Disney you are going to the park on this day and you want to get into Galaxy's Edge particular day it's to basically measure the crowd control they're expecting huge amounts of people to turn up um as you'd expect and just to get put it into context when disney world in florida opened pandora which is their um land of avatar the ride the main attraction for the ride the flight of flight of something or another uh flight of passage that's one the queues, even now, it's been open for 18 months, are in and around two to three hours on average. So you're going to have to queue two to three hours to get on a ride. Um, so Disney are trying to negate that impact um, and that kind of way it's going to be working. So if they can limit the amount of people in the in the land, they're going to limit the time that you have to wait for it, which is quite an interesting thing to do, in my opinion. Um, for Florida, when Florida opens, you won't need to do that. Um, you can just turn up on the day. Um, and get in effectively, but there will be crowd control measurements. So again, for those of you that aren't familiar, when Disney gets to like peak Christmas Day, Thanksgiving, 4th of July, all the public holidays that are in the US, generally speaking, that's when Disney gets its busiest. They have levels of control to make sure the numbers are not too crazy. They're always going to be crazy, but not too crazy. Um, I remember being in Florida on Christmas Day a couple of years back. They basically closed the park for public entry at 11 a.m because there was just too many people. So after 11 a.m. till about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, you couldn't get into the theme park. And that's what they're going to be doing for Galaxy's Edge. Uh, you can tell that they're prepping themselves to make sure there's enough room for people to be enjoying it, but not squashed, effectively. And that is my news roundup of Galaxy's Edge. It's fairly comprehensive. 
Nice. <laughs> I think that's the reason why Ali wanted to wait uh, for me. It's a shame he couldn't be on today. He's he's kind of been to Florida and experienced the Harry World, Harry Potter World um, in in Universal. So he kind of kind of has seen the immersiveness um, that that is potentially there. I genuinely believe that Star Disney are going to take Star Wars to a whole new level uh, above that. So I can't wait. Uh, there's a hell of a lot to see. Um, I'm sure. It will take me more than a day to see all of it, um, but I'm there for a couple of days, so I'm hopefully going to get to see all of it at some point over that period of time. Nice. And with that, I think that's a good time to end up the podcast, guys. What do you think? Yeah. I think we covered everything, yeah. I think we have. We so with that, final thoughts. Dave, over to you. Oh. Lots, lots of content today, and quite a wide range of subjects. Um, my takeaway is, no matter what type of of book you enjoy, Star Wars has got something for you. You, you. There is no reason not to pick up a book, not to enjoy a book, not to read. Um, both my children enjoy books, very different styles of books. And Star Wars accommodates all styles, whether you want action and adventure, whether you want what feels like factual books, um, cross sections of vehicles, if you like technical books, um, or graphic novels. If you if you want what's potentially a lighter touch read, if you're if you want to get into a book with a, with a visual element. So there's there's nothing you can't get from a star wars book uh, um and there's no reason not to to pick up a book you can go to a local library doesn't even have to cost you anything um yeah for for international book day go out and read read star wars <laughs> absolutely mera final thoughts for yourself hi i think we this is just so exciting just hearing what you said about galaxy's edge there's such a lot of star wars that we haven't encountered yet and i i am thrilled at what's what's coming our way um in so many so many ways i mean characters that we can look up to and emulate um from books to being immersed to uh, fun parks, really. I mean, this is just a, a a great time. I love seeing how much Star Wars there is. There is. I mean, I craved all of this and more when I was a child. Saying, just give me more Star Wars. I want to go back to that galaxy far, far away. And we're getting to do that in so many different ways. We're going to finish a chapter out of the you know Skywalker saga and have many more movies and television shows and I just I'm so excited so hmm. be the strong woman that Princess Leia was and more the force is with you <laughs> absolutely and I think yeah just my, my final thoughts are just kind of actually going to lead off what you just said there Mary, and that this is potentially the busiest year for Star Wars we've got so much coming this year culminating in the release of episode 9 that it's a great time to be a Star Wars fan. Um, we've seen the divisions in the in the fan community, and there's still some stupidity going on. Let's not get it twisted. But this is a good time to be a Star Wars fan. There's a hell of a lot coming this year, and I can't wait for it to drop. Um, 
And I think that we are going to have a lot of content to talk about in our future podcast. That's absolutely certain. Um, and with that, that's right, listeners, we are the Jedi Council. Uh, we are here to discuss everything and anything Star Wars. You can find our podcast on iTunes. You can find it on SoundCloud. You can find it on Player FM. And as of this week, we are now on Spotify. That's right. You can subscribe, like, follow us on Instagram. We are at the Jedi Council. Under, no, we're not. We're at Twitter. We are at the Jedi underscore Council. On Instagram, we are at the Jedi underscore Council underscore TJC. We are on Facebook by searching for us at TJC the Jedi Council. We are um, trying to get involved with you guys as much as we can on Twitter. We like to interact with you. We like to make sure that you guys can kind of follow along with us on this Star Wars journey. Don't forget, like, subscribe, follow, friend, everything you can think of across any social media uh, channel. Uh, We are going to be there for you guys to interact with. And you will follow us through our Star Wars journey. And with that, may the Force be with you. Remember, the Force will be with you always.